Hi, it's Jess Fisher. You're listening to episode four of Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, the educator's version, where we explore some of the science featured in the story. Keep listening to the end of this episode to hear me and Nate Dufort talk about urbanization and the rise of cities with Dr. Luna Kerfon, associate professor at the School of Planning in the University of Waterloo's Faculty of Environment. Chapter 4, Junktown. They they took me prisoner and threw me in the river. Oh no. Where's Iowa? Oh god. I did everything I could, but they got her. They, they got Iowa. Ah. Could have warned me a little better, Dad. Dog, wake up. Let me get that muzzle thing off your mouth. <sighs> okay, you're breathing. That's good. But looks like your paw is trapped under... Ooh, you're bleeding. <sighs> well, we're not going back the way we came. Pretty much trapped down here. At least the regs can't get to us. Looks like a lot more tunnel ahead. Always wanted to walk down a creepy tunnel to nowhere. A hundred paces or so down the tunnel, I stumbled on a rusty old cart with metal wheels. Hey, dog. Tracks leading straight into the darkness. Maybe Dad could have told me that part, too. How do you feel about going for what will, for sure, be a very unsafe ride? Well, I'm willing to try, but how are you going to get me in the car? Well, good question. You couldn't have been one of those miniature poodles? Go. Oops, I meant to do that gentler. You're okay, though. Mind if I join you? Now, uh, how do we get this thing to move? This looks like some kind of lever. Maybe if I pull it this way? Uh, or that way. We're moving! <laughs> we started off at a reasonable pace, but as the cart rolled down the tracks, I could feel the slope getting steeper. Okay, we're picking up speed. Whoa! <laughs> Here we go! 
That's, uh, whoa, pretty fast now. Come on, torch, don't go out on me. Is that a turn up ahead? Can this thing turn? How do I slow down? This lever doesn't work. Here comes the turn. This feels too fast. Downs. Sometimes I could hear water rushing above us. Is this ever going to end? <gasps> We're slowing down. That's good, right? We must be going uphill. We're slowing. <sighs> we stopped. That was actually kind of fun, now that I know we didn't die. Still, probably good you're sleeping. Light. I followed a sliver of light that cut across the tunnel and landed on... A ladder. Guess that means I should climb. Be right back. Okay, Iowa. Easy does it, one rung at a time. <sighs> climb, climb, climb to where they build with what was shunned. So I climb, climb, well, climbed to the top of well, an endless ladder well, until I used my shoulder to push open the metal grate. Yeah. I stuck my head out. Let's see what's and that's when a cart nearly took it clean off. Oh. Oh, okay. I was at ground level of a city I'd only heard about, but never been allowed to visit. It's Junk Town. The tunnel took us to Junk Town. Junk Town. The loudest, busiest place I'd ever seen. Full of people selling things they found or made. A city of junk. A place I climbed to, built, on what was shunned. Climb, climb, climb to where it built is what was shunned. The well, What was shunned? Junk. It's the next part of the song. Just like Arizona said. But what does through the well, well, well begin the journey to the sun? you going to get me out of the tunnel without anyone seeing Whoa! Not far from the hole was a wagon with a bunch of blankets in the back. I slipped out of the tunnel, grabbed the wagon, and rolled it over the top of the hole. I climbed back down the ladder, hoisted the dog onto my shoulder, and got him up to Hang the top on, and into the cart unnoticed. This would not be a good time for you to wake up. If anyone in Junk Town knew I had a dog under here, It'd be very bad for both of us. Uh, don't mind me. Just a regular, ordinary girl dragging a wagon with nothing of any interest under the blanket. Hey! Girl! Who? Me? Selling those blankets? No, I, uh, j just taking them home to my aunt. Do you happen to know where a well is? Far edge of the square. 
But I wouldn't be going there if I was you. Not if you aren't family. <laughs> family? Who's family? At the edge of the square was a well made of stone. Just like in the song. It was all I could do not to run to it, crooked foot and all. I took a deep breath and kept pulling the wagon at a steady pace. Almost there. Almost! Hey you! Girl! Just keep moving, keep moving. I said you! Uh, me? What you got in the wagon, girl? Oh, you know, just some old blankets. Someone should have told you nothing gets sold in this part of Junktown without permission from me and my sisters and brothers. Your sisters and brothers? Oh. Hi there, uh, everyone. I was suddenly surrounded by six rough-looking teenagers. One of the girls smiled, revealing some missing teeth. <laughs> well, 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 what do we have here? What's under the blanket? Like I told your brother, just more blankets, but they're not for sale. Says who? We enjoy being cozy, don't we, sisters and brothers? <laughs> yeah. Let us take a look. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. She wasn't asking. Please, I really have to... Hey, I think there's something moving under this blanket. No, I... What do you got under there? Uh, I, I, uh... Regs! Oh no! Regulators! We gotta go! Let's take the wagon! She's got something live in there! You wanna burn for it? What if it's valuable? Honestly, it's not... It's just... You hear that thing? What if it's something new? We're old! Whatever it is, the regs are gonna snatch it anyway. Let the girl take the heat! Go! But... I said scatter! Regulators, they found us! What do I do? They're coming! Hey girl, over here, behind the well! Come with me, before they figure it out. What? But the regs... The regs shouldn't leave their sirens unattended. Someone might steal one when they're not looking. You made the sound. <laughs> Works every time. Well, it's the first time I've used it. But so far, so good. Who are you? Just someone who watches the well. But right now, we've got to get you to safety. Oh, and bring your friend, the dog. How did you... Come along. Hurry, hurry. Here we are. Uh, here we are. Who are those people? Not your friends. Or mine. Pull the wagon round back. The old man led us to a tiny shack made of discarded wire and rusty metal. Leaning against it was a towering pile of junk. Ruins of whatever this place used to it's be. It's safe back here. You can unload the dog from the wagon. <sighs> now would actually be a good time to wake up, dog. By the stars, a dog. Come in, come in. Welcome to my Aqua Emporium. Oh. Inside was a small, dusty shop with row after row of water in clear glass bottles. You sell water here? Occasionally. How long has the dog been asleep? Not sure. We were escaping from regulators. A tunnel collapsed on us, 
Um... I see. Then you are an agent. Not really. Well, maybe. I... I think my mom was. Your mother? Uh, can you help him? He hurt his foot. B- pa. Well, I believe I can. In the meantime, would you like to try some bubbles? Bubbles? I make it myself. Ancient family recipe. Here. Bubbles? Go ahead. Drink up. It's refreshing. I'll be right back. Sorry. I'll take it as a compliment. How can you sleep through this? You pulled a tunnel down on my head. Ah, yes. Here we are. Time to help your friend here feel better. (laughs) I'm not sure he's my friend. He's... Well, Arizona called him my cargo. Cargo? I've always found that term to be dismissive. The kind of thing Whistler would say. (gasps) You know that monster? Not personally, I'm pleased to say. People like him believe animals aren't living creatures with feelings, like you and me. That they don't matter. Maybe that's why they disappeared in the first place. People didn't care. Mm, Perhaps so. Let me just find a page. Ah, yes, here it is. Okay, let's see. First, I'll need to clean the wound. Why does that water smell so strong? It's not water. It's for keeping the wound sterile. I'll give you some to take with you, but be careful with it. This solution doesn't mix well with fire. Have you done this before? Not on a dog, but the book is very thorough. Okay, let's see here. Following instructions from the book, the old man cleaned the gash and bandaged the dog's paw with cloth. Just a little bit. Oh, Oh, very good. The Encyclopedia of Veterinary Medicine. Where did you get this? From my collection. You have a collection too? Oh, fellow collector. You want to see it? Come with me. He led me through a little door and into another space. From the outside, it had looked like a pile of junk. But inside was a magical room. Twelve feet high and filled from floor to ceiling. With books. (sighs) Oh, so many books. I suppose this is why they call me the librarian. So is this the next safe house? This? A safe house? No, I'm no agent. Do you know the next agent? The one I'm supposed to deliver the dog to? I did. His name was Delaware. Was? He hasn't been back since the chain was broken. You mean the chain to Haven? Seven years ago. The day of the roundup. Seven years. That's when they took my parents. I see. How did you know to find the well? From a song. My parents taught it to me when I was little. (laughs) Good on them. Uh, Do me a favor. See that red book at the very top of the shelf? The one with no title? Uh, Grab it for me. (laughs) Got it. My grandmother gave me that book. She got it from her grandfather, who got it from his, and so on and so on. Haven. Look at all these animals. They all live there together? Safely? Read the last page. 
Shunned through the well, 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 begin the journey to the sun. That's the well in the square. But what's the journey? Go on. I've never heard these verses before. Swim, 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 a rushing river to be crossed at the rock, rock, rock. Keep to the right or you'll get lost. And the next verse? Jump. Jump, jump from water walled off to the sand. All must fail, fail, fail for child and dog to cross the land. Child and dog? Is that us? It very well could be. The prophecy speaks of a child and a dog who will find haven and return animals to the rest of the world. But how? As soon as the dog wakes up, he's just gonna run off. I, I mean... It was luck that I found him in the woods, or he found me, or... You found each other. You found me, and together you'll find Haven. It's hardly luck, Iowa. It's written in the verses. The verses that led you to the well in the square. The well? But if Delaware and the other agents are all gone... The song existed long before there were agents and safe houses and a chain. There was just a legend. Legend of the Path to Haven. But it looks like the page is ripped at the bottom. Yes. Someone tore out the last verse. Someone who knew about the book and about the secrets it held. If it's gone, and the chain is broken, am I meant to go the whole way? I, I don't know how. I have to believe that when the time comes, you'll know. Or your furry friend will. Now, you must be tired. Get some sleep. Your journey starts tomorrow. Welcome to Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, the educator's version, where we dig into the actual science behind the episodes of Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog. I'm Nate Dufort, who some of you may know from the shows Unspookable and Reach, a space podcast for kids. And with me, as always, from Gen Z Media and Six Minutes Rewind is Jess Fisher. Hey, Jess. Hello, Nate. How's it going? Pretty good. I am so <laughs> excited to talk about this episode. Yeah. So what happened today? Okay. So in episode four, Junktown, Iowa and the dog hop on a roller coaster ride that takes them to a city built with what's been shunned, Junktown. In search of a well, they're rescued by the mysterious librarian who takes them back to his shop and reveals Iowa's mission. A child and a dog must cross the land and make it to the legendary haven. I love this episode and how the realization that Junktown is more than just a myth mm -hmm. keeps opening up Iowa's worldview more and right. more. Uh, and it really made me want to know more about towns and cities and how they came to exist with what we call urbanization and how we can protect them from climate change and potential climate catastrophes. So... Here to tell us more is Dr. Luna Kerfan, Associate Professor at the School of Planning in the University of Waterloo's Faculty of Environment. Dr. Luna Kerfan, thank you so much for being with us here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I have so many questions for you, but the first, 
What is urbanization? Urbanization started after human beings were hunter-gatherers, living in small groups and concerned about subsistence, which is a very important word, just eating and providing for their daily needs and short-term needs. And then they discovered that to minimize the concern about having to worry about where the next meal is coming from, we discovered that we can, through agriculture, um, save some of that produce, process it uh, like uh, grains, um, dry them and store them and use them later in months where they, when they are not available during the winter months, for example. But that led us to the idea, discovering the idea of a surplus, where we have extra above and beyond our daily needs or our needs for the winter months. What do we do with it? We worked hard to accumulate it and gather it. So people started exchanging. I'll give you some of my grain if you give me some pottery and so on. So we discovered bartering and exchange. And that led to specializations in society. So some people became pottery makers. Others became people who made tools. Others built huts and so on. And as humans evolved and these specializations developed, and there was more food security. No one was worried about where the next meal today or tomorrow is coming from. We started feeling that we can settle down and gather in bigger groups and so on. So that's how cities became to be. And that's how urbanization happened. That is the most clear summary of that I have ever heard. So bringing it back to our story here, how is climate change affecting cities? That's a really good question. So remember when I told you we started specializing and becoming experts in our areas, like I'm becoming a pottery maker, you're becoming a builder who builds huts and houses. That led to more technological advancement. So as human beings who started specializing, we wanted to improve our trade. So pottery makers started inventing the pottery wheel. Uh, builders starting becoming more specialized architects. They learned how to build arches and so on. Over time, that led us to the Industrial Revolution, where we discovered the power of the steam engine. And that led us to discovering the power of oil. And we rapidly industrialized from the end of the 1700s to the 1900s. There was a big industrial advancement, but that comes at a cost. The more oil we use, the more materials we produce, we are producing gases into the atmosphere that did not necessarily exist in those large quantities before, particularly CO2 or carbon emissions. And the more we produced and industrialized and became more modernized, the more we produced these gases. But these gases come at a consequence. They increase the heat of the sun. They condense it as it comes towards Earth. And as the Earth heats up, there are repercussions. The ice sheet melts and the water goes into the sea. The sea level rises. This impacts the wind patterns. So what is happening now is we are experiencing ex what we call extreme weather events. A hurricane used to happen once every two, three hundred years. Now we're experiencing it every single year. But more than that, 
the intensity, the strength of these hurricanes is becoming more severe with every year. That is really threatening human settlements, cities where people live and make um, their living are becoming very vulnerable to the impacts of this changing climate. For example, cities by the sea are impacted, as I said, by hurricanes, by sea level rise. And this is leading beaches to erode. We call it beach erosion, where the, the, literally the land on which we stand is because of the uh, waves becoming stronger and stronger is eating up at it. Inland cities, cities that are nece not necessarily by the seaside, are witnessing more intense rainstorms where we would have lots of rain coming in in very strong, big quantities leading to flooding. In the summer, we are having more heat waves. A lot of impacts on cities that are threatening human beings like you and I and their lives and their livelihoods and their safety and security. Got it. Thank you for that. Now, when we talk about a community-based adaptation to climate change, what exactly are we talking about? So when we're talking about that, let me start and break down that term. What do we mean by adaptation? Adaptation is any adjustment that we can make, whether in how we build cities or how we behave inside cities. And I'll emphasize how we behave later on and I'll explain it. To help us adjust to the changing climate, how can we adjust to what is happening in our cities, whether through building differently or how we behave inside our cities. But also, climate change might bring for us some opportunities. For example, if we have stronger winds, maybe we can harness that wind to give us energy. We can use the power of the wind to generate electricity, for example, which is a type of energy that is safe, does not emit carbon again in the air, and that's a good way of adapting. Now, let's go back to the first part of adaptation, changing cities, changing how we build them, and changing how we behave inside them. That means that we can try to minimize our carbon emissions. For example, if I'm going to make a trip, should I use my car or should I try to use my bicycle? or even walk, which, which are really good exercise for me. Well, of course, walking or cycling is better if I can. And this way, again, my health is improved and I'm not contributing to carbon emissions in the air. So this is how we change our behavior. Going back to how we build cities differently, for example, in areas that are under severe threat from hurricanes, from wind, from wildfires, we might need to stop building there completely. We call it retreat. We stop building there and we go to safer areas. But if the danger is not very severe, what we can do is we can build in a way that works with how nature is changing. For example, if we're only having sea level rise and not having hurricanes in a particular area, then maybe we can build what we call amphibious buildings, buildings that rise with the water and go down again when the water level goes down. And this is actually based on how communities in coastal areas around the world has, have always built. They built their buildings on what we called stilts, 
which are poles that they dig in the sea and they literally live on top of the water. So when we say community adaptation, that's exactly what we mean. The idea is to really look at the history of the community and learn from it or work with the community to address their current needs and future needs and work with them. Well, it obviously makes sense to work locally with communities to take in what they've learned uh, when trying to adapt. Well, thank you so much for this amazing overview of urbanization, climate changes, effects to our cities, and giving us just a brief glimpse into some nature-based solutions for climate change with some of the things that you're working on as well. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to share my work and my ideas. You know what's interesting? Uh, when uh, Dr. Kerfan was talking about stilts, um, I saw Hurricane Sandy when I was in high school, and then a bunch of houses went on stilts. Like, and I had never seen that before. It's truly amazing. And I don't know that enough planners really incorporate, you know, all the collected knowledge mm. of people like that are living in areas when they're doing city planning with this stuff. So it's great to see, even in the longer conversation I had with Dr. Kerfan, how you really need to talk to people that have lived through the weather experiences, embrace their culture for design. And that's truly the only way that you can feel Future proof. I agree with you. I think that urban planners do have a responsibility to take in the community's culture when planning a city. 100%. Well, that is it for this episode. We'd like to thank Dr. Luna Kerfan, Associate Professor at the School of Planning in the University of Waterloo's Faculty of Environment. To find out more about urbanization and to read about Dr. Kerfan's incredible work with stream daylighting, check out the links and resources in this episode's show notes. Find your next adventure at gzmshows.com. GZM Shows, Imagination Amplified.